So I'm back after a few weeks of a break from a savored life. Now it's been a whirlwind of a few weeks with my book launch. My food memoir and Daza came out last month and it's been quite wonderful to hear the feedback, but it's also been super exhausting. Now this journey to writing more narrative really began when I won the Scottish Book Trust Award back in 2021. I had already written most of my memoir, but I just wasn't sure if it was good enough. Winning this award really solidified it for me. I kind of think that it opened up a box of possibilities. I turned 50 this year and with it, I decided to finally embrace that life, though very short, it is never too late to live your dreams. So basically, I did something crazy. I applied to go back to university. Welcome to A Savored Life, a podcast that inspires you to live a more fulfilled life with mindful writing and creative inspiration. I'm your host, Sumaya Osmani, and I'm here to help you on that path to a slower, more savored life. Each episode is filled with ways in which we can free our preconceived ideas that hold us back from fulfilling our true potential. And that begins by allowing ourselves to trust our instincts to achieve that creative fulfillment. So yes, university at 50. Now you might think it's a little bit crazy, but my entire life I have struggled to fit into any sort of convention. So this really isn't much of a surprise. Now I long to go to university to study something creative when I was 18, but law somehow seemed to be the so-called sensible path. 25 years later and 12 years of legal practice, I finally decided to ditch that legal career for food writing and writing cookbooks. Now, soon after that, I longed for more creative expression and narrative writing with food felt like a real anchor and felt natural to me at the time. It also opened up my eyes to the possibilities of who I could be, how I could get there and just basically become closer to that person that I always was meant to be. Now, clearly, I'm not alone in this late blossoming into creative career and academics. And today I'm joined with by somebody who I met through the Scottish Book Trust. And it's an author who decided to do very much the same. Sarah Smith is an author from Glasgow whose debut novel, Hear No Evil, was published last year in 2022 and is inspired by the landmark case of Jean Campbell, the first deaf person to be tried in the High Court of Scotland back in 1817. Now, this book has already gained tons of accolades, including the shortlisting for the Bloody Scotland debut crime novel in 2022 and the Historical Writers Association debut crown also in the same year. And most excitingly, it was chosen as the Waterstone Scottish Book of the Month back in February this year, and it longlisted for the Crime Writers Association historical dagger in 2023. So many accolades from Sarah. Now, most importantly, Sarah was also a Scottish Book Trust awardee like me a few years ago. And the best part is she too did her master's in letters in creative writing at the University of Glasgow, just like I'm about to embark on now. Wow, Sarah, welcome. Hi, Sumaya. (laughs) So lovely to be here talking to you. Great. Thank you so much. Now, wow, you've had some year and a half, haven't you? Yeah, I really have. Um, I, it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind, really. It, it my my book came out in February twenty two, as you said, and that we were just coming out of the lockdowns and the pandemic, and things were opening up. 
tentatively. So I had, I had, I managed to have a, an in-person book launch, um, although it was smaller than the usual. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of masks still on, <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it was interesting because the book going out in the world kind of coincided with me going back into the world, um, and. It's been a brilliant journey, really. The whole thing's been fantastic, really exciting. Met loads of people, lots of um, feedback, very positively on on the book, which has kind of buoyed me onwards and given me even more motivation to to keep going with my writing. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Once you get those, you know, you get people listening, hearing your voice, understanding you have a story to tell, it suddenly gives you that impetus that you always needed to push yourselves forward. Now, it all started some time ago. I mean, I'm sure you wanted to write this book for a long time. But, you know, you went back to university. And I remember when we met uh, a few months ago, you said to me, you were also at that sort of pivotal time in our lives we all go through, which is turning 50, and then deciding to switch course. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I had been, I had gone to university um, back in the day, in in the mid-80s, done English, had um, went to Glasgow University, actually, and Mm -hmm had had um, a remarkably undistinguished academic career (laughs) (laughs) and then fallen into um, working with projects which um, were kind of broadly supporting disabled people um, Mm. back into education and work opportunities. And I'd done lots of variations of those kind of jobs over the years, got married, had a family. Um, And then I think I'd been thinking about writing seriously from about age 40 onwards I'd always written um you know bad poetry when I was in my (laughs) 20s and um short stories and bits and pieces of things um over the years and I'd read a lot but I'd never really spent a lot of time focusing on writing as a kind of viable um career or um something more than a pastime yeah. Or hobby um so so i turned 40 um and sort of a significant thing happened to me um my my dad passed away um very very suddenly and um that and at, at a relatively young age and that really kind of concentrated my mind about aging and mm-hmm. what i was going to do for the rest of the time that i got to be on the planet so um i, I joined a couple of small writing groups got feedback started submitting short stories and poems to anthologies which i'd never done before as i said i'd written but i'd never really shown anybody what i was writing so so i've embarked on that journey and people would say oh there's that um masters in creative writing at glasgow university just 20 minutes away from the house have you ever thought of doing that and i'd kind of I fifty percent wanted to do it desperately, and fifty percent had a kind of um, sort of yeah, the devil on my shoulder was saying, "No, don't go and do that. It's really you don't need a, a degree or a, or a qualification to write. Just get on with what you're doing." And yeah. then eventually, yeah, turned fifty, and that was a big deal. And I thought, well, look, I'll just try it. I'll go for it. I'll apply for it and see if I get in. And um, the worst thing that can happen is I'm going to spend a load of money on something that doesn't give me very much. Yeah. But 
there might be lots of good things that happen. So I just decided to take that kind of leap of faith because I felt that I really needed, um, I guess, some kind of nurturing community to help yeah. me on my way. But I, could, I couldn't have named it at that point. I just ha had a kind of desire to meet other people who were doing similar things. Yeah, perfect. And this brings me to you sharing with us the five reasons why, you know what, it is worth going back to university at 50. So let's start with your number one reason why you think it is great to go back to university at this age. I guess my number one thing is that I felt that I'd waited long enough. Um, that, as I said, I had gone to university just after school. I had, it was okay, but I wasn't really that committed to the course that I was doing or um, particularly interested um, in anything other than going to parties and <laughs> um, you know like get finding a boyfriend really yeah. I mean I was really I, I think I was probably too immature I think and, and that's not to say that everybody that goes after school <laughs> is immature or doesn't know what they're doing but I think that for different people education should be hit at different times yeah um, agreed and so I, I I had been I wanted to get over that kind of I wouldn't go so far as to say it was a regret but it was something that I felt that I hadn't taken as seriously as I, w I should have um yeah. and so yeah so I and I felt that if I waited any longer basically I would never do it yeah so I just decided to send off an application and see what happened and I honestly didn't, didn't really expect to get in because yep. it you know I didn't know whether my writing was good enough for the course and it's quite a small cohort every year yep. so I, I I did it with a bit with more hope than expectation yeah brilliant well you know you did it so there we go Right. And, you know, that's it. Like education's always not great at 18. Sometimes you don't know what you want to be. Sometimes you need to live a little before you know what you want to be. And I don't think that 50 is really that late. It gives you like, you know, a couple of decades to sort it out. <laughs> so brilliant. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. 50 isn't that late. I think no. that, you know, it, it's very tempting because the way that society is ordered um, gives us this kind of false idea that you know you go to school you do some education you get a job you yeah. have a family you retire and then boom um you do some you, you do a few hobbies that you've always wanted to spend more time on yeah. um but i think that there's the possibility of changing at 50 gives you as you say it gives you enough time to really sort of consolidate yeah what you want to do and pursue a new career exactly. if, if that's what if, if that's what if that's what you what want it leads yeah. on to, to being yeah absolutely right number two Sarah number two reason why mm -hmm. so my number two reason was I've written down the word focus <laughs> yeah. and that's probably because I'm the world's greatest procrastinator oh I yeah join the club um and I needed somewhere I had these ideas about writing I'd already written um quite a few short stories, quite a few poems. I'd had a number of things published. I'd even been paid a small amount for some of the things that had been published. So I felt that I was. it was something that writing creative, 
physically was something that I was able to do mm-hmm. but I, I needed a focus because otherwise I was going to be tinkering around the edges of mm-hmm. that ambition um, and I would always feel like it was again it was something that I did in my spare time as a hobby and there's nothing wrong with hobbies hobbies I've got loads of hobbies and they're great yeah. but I needed to spend more time on it take time off work and mm-hmm. um and have a not an excuse but a reason um yeah. for for doing that so that was partly i i felt it would give me a framework in which to explore what i wanted to do Perfect. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely right. And I think it's focus is, you know, something that we all kind of, you know, struggle with, but to have the focus to do something that is constructively, not just your hobby, but could be more because you could feel that there was more behind this. And I think that is when you really need structured focus. So fantastic reason. Let's move to reason number three. Yeah, so um, reason number three, if you'd asked me these questions before I went back to do the emlet I wouldn't have named this reason but it was something that I realized what had been missing as I went through the course and that is exploring the craft of writing yeah I think before I went back to university I I felt that you I felt a pressure that you either wrote as a hobby or you wrote for the market and yeah. it was one or one or you had to choose one or or other of those paths um whereas going um to the classes at university meant that that there was this enormous um push for you to explore craft and do things that before i went back i would have said sounded incredibly pretentious exploring craft um (laughs) things like what's the the other one is um you, you know like you know thinking about your process all of the I, I used to I used to really cringe when I heard people talking like that because I yeah. felt that it was just a bit it all sounded a bit pretentious so either it's not pretentious and I found something there or I've just become pretentious I don't know but <laughs> <laughs> I, I've started using those terms because they mean something to me now yeah um and and the craft was really about I went there thinking I want to write prose I think I'd like to write a novel um, and then I ended up doing all sorts of things like um, looking at hybrids um, forms of writing, which I had no idea what they were, d- using um, photography, um, Amazing. Arch- archival material, um, working in groups and in, in pairs to, yep. to, 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 to produce work. Um, so that, that was fantastic because that meant that you were coming into contact with people yeah. who wrote in completely different mediums, d- completely different backgrounds and aspirations to me, but I could learn something from them and hopefully yeah. they could learn something from me. Amazing. I, I'm so looking forward to that aspect of the Emlet myself. Brilliant. Now, reason number four. So that's that kind of um, follows on from what I was just saying about working collaboratively. It was finding a supportive community um, and that was within the university, but also out with the university as, as time went on. Um, so lots of the people that I met there helped me when I was studying for the for the masters and fed into my writing, gave me feedback, for instance, in workshops where I was struggling with a way of telling the story that would then become here no evil yeah. um and i was able to show them 
really early drafts of early chapters and say this is what I'd like to achieve I've had this story going around my head for years and years and years but I don't know how to tell it effectively Mm -hmm. and so they were able to look at that and give me really constructive feedback about what worked and what didn't work so that way I was able to kind of formulate a way forward through writing the novel and so so there was that kind of community within the university but also later on I mean I'm still working on different workshops and projects that are run by people who I met either on the course or were on other courses in the creative writing department because it was a lot of kind of um, events where people from the MFA and the DFA would would come alongside us mm-hmm. and we would meet people who had been through the MLIT previously. So that, that was really useful because you got kind of different perspectives um, yeah. about where you could go next kind of thing. So yeah, that, that supportive community and learning that writing wasn't just about sitting in a room on your own yeah. with your yeah. own thoughts and a blank page, that there, yeah. was, there was much more to making a life um, from, yeah. from writing, yeah. Yeah, your, your own with a blank page and self-doubt to sit uh-huh. on your shoulder the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Giving you little nudges on how you can't do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All that imposter syndrome, yeah. which still exists. But then because you meet all of these people who are doing the same thing as you, yeah. um, you realise that they all have that too. And that's yeah. normal. And the imposter syndrome is this is actually, if you can make friends with it, Yep, it's telling you what's good and what's bad, but you just Absolutely. have to listen to it rather than let it overwhelm Rain. you. Yeah, exactly. No, perfect. That's such a good way of putting it. Okay, and finally, your fifth reason for why. Um. So yeah. So the the, the last one is that that the emlet was a springboard to yeah. other opportunities. And whereas at, at, at the start of this, you were describing the fact that you had gone. Um, you had got an award from the Scottish Book Trust and now you're going to university. I did it the other way around. Mm. I had gone to university and as that was finishing and I was putting my dissertation in, I decided to apply for a new writer's award for I think the third time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I dashed it off just because I had new material mm. and was, and got an award in 2019, which then was great opened up new opportunities got more networks of writers um, and yeah. but also really crucially for me at that point it gave me a year of mentorship and yeah. um time and space to finish the novel that I was writing and I'm not sure if I hadn't got that if I could have done that all by myself because yeah. I, I had about a quarter of a novel written and I was I was quite tired because yeah. as good as the going back to university had been, it had been kind of quite mentally exhausting too. So, but but getting that book trust award just gave me another push and let me kind of start. That would have been yeah, start twenty nineteen, feeling like um, I had I had a kind of a, another fire under me to get it yeah. finished. 
No, I totally agree with you. I mean, if, because of the award, I was able to finish my book. I had already got my book deal, but I had a very tight deadline. And there is absolutely, and I had, you know, because mine was nonfiction, it wasn't entirely written either. So I had absolutely no, I, I, mean, I don't know how I did it without my mentor. I wouldn't have done it. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I think that really does help. And just, you know, having people believe in your writing is essentially one of the greatest things that you can have as a writer. You know, even if you have one person believe in your writing, that means a lot more than just you telling yourself it's not good enough or it's not right. You know, it's not just there yet. So I think, you know, that's a wonderful way to end your five reasons. And I think that is ultimately a great thing that you did do that, Emlet. And, you know, now what's next for you, Sarah? Um, So I'm at the moment, I'm promoting here no evil um, and really enjoying going to events and chatting to readers it's that's just fantastic yeah. and at the same time I'm writing book two Yay. which is um also is it fantastic no it's quite <laughs> it's it's a bit of a slog at the moment but um I've, I've got a, a first draft and I'm redrafting that and it's yeah and, and I'm and I am enjoying parts of it I think every single um bit of the writing process has good and bad points to it so um yes yeah, so, so, so I'm doing a bit of redrafting a bit of um extra research for yeah. things that I had maybe missed out or hadn't had because the research um aspect when you're writing historical fiction can be enormous and mm-hmm. um with here no evil I had done an awful lot with this one I did slightly less with the idea that I would go back and fill in the gaps once I yeah. knew exactly what shaped the the, the book was taking so it, it's it's set in 1920 in Ooh. glasgow in a backcourt cinema um, amazing just at the start of the boom of picture palaces um oh, and basically amazing. like that that takes over the whole the whole city um and, and and it's i think it was the it had more cinemas per capita i think by the late 20s um than any other city outside london so it was a real kind of craze so this is the coming out of world war one the start of picture palaces and um my main character is a, a war widow who takes a job in this in said cinema as a bookkeeper um so so I'm, I'm enjoying that because i'm a big cinema fan yeah um, me too. yeah and and i really enjoy you know i really enjoy kind of glasgow history too so um, and local history to me. So it's, it's as usual, set round the corner from my house. Uh, you know, I love that, Sarah. I, I so want to be able to one day write historical fiction. I don't think I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever get there. But the thing is, my historical fiction is going to be set around the sort of partition of India and Pakistan, which is what my uh-huh. idea is. And, you know, I, it's a little bit going, you know, going back to Pakistan, but, you know, we're no longer one country. So that's hard. And not knowing that sort of time and not being in the country really is difficult because it's it's so lovely to be able to physically walk down those spaces and I'm going to struggle. I might have to go back for some weeks, I think, but either way, you're very lucky that you're in Glasgow and you're right about a city, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I'm a little bit jealous of people who are writing about far flung places and get grants to go and do a bit Ah, of research there. That's a good point. (laughs) But but I do quite like the fact that at any point I can go and walk down 
the street that my character's walking down. Even I if the it. street's been obliterated, I can kind of imagine it and, and its relation to other parts of the city. So, so yeah, I, I do personally, I, I like that idea because as a historical fiction writer, you're trying to create a world from the past that you don't know. Yeah. So I, you've, for me, I need a bit of connection. So the kind of the landscape is my connection to that. And it, it's kind of the portal through which I, I get to the, his, the historical um, landscape. I love that. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. And guys, Here No Evils, they're now in paperback. It's a beautiful looking book. I haven't read it yet, but I am desperately trying to get my hands on it because I've got 500 other books to finish, but I do want to read it this year. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. That was incredibly enlightening and has given me so much to look forward to. And I'm sure many of our listeners will, you know, really take that giant leap and not leave behind whatever it is that they've been aspiring to do all their lives. So thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me. That's great. Thanks, Samaya, for asking. Cheers. So that was an incredible chat with Sarah. Now, writing all begins from finding your writer's voice. Now, it's one of those coveted aspirations of all writers and aspiring writers. Now, there's no magical formula to this, and we really just have all got this distinct voice, and writing it down is a different story. It's all about harnessing it, committing to letting it come out onto the page. To celebrate the summer solstice this year, I'm launching my 21-day email course, Wordsmith, that helps you find your writer's voice in 21 days. Now, they say it takes 21 days to create a habit. Well, this could be a way of gently coaxing, making out the time and putting it in the consistent work through small tasks to get there and get on that journey to finding your writer's voice. So do sign up to the waitlist if this is something that's of interest to you. It launches on the 21st of June. Now, finally, I'd love it if you could rate and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this podcast. It helps me reach all of those people who could benefit from it too. So until next time, thank you so much for listening to A Savored Life with me, Sumaya. Choose a slower life, choose a savored life. Thank you.